welcome to episode 144 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 27th of September 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Good evening. Graham. Hello. And Will. Hello. So here we are. The country is uh, gone to shit. Your country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's fine for my sunny uplands. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Brexit. How dare you? So let's get straight on with the news. And first is meta good news. And that is that Linux After Dark has launched. It's a new podcast, except it's not really a new podcast. It's just what we were doing on Late Night Linux Extra. So it's me, Chris, Gary, and Dalton. And we're going to do an episode every two weeks. And it's going to be just what we've been doing. But if you've not been listening to Late Night Linux Extra, then you won't know. It's more kind of philosophical stuff and what we've been up to lately with Linux. Like, for example, Dalton has got a uh, framework laptop. And so he talked about that on Late Night Linux Extra, but we'll be covering that again at some point. His like longer term impressions of it and stuff. So do check it out, linuxafterdark.net. Now, this is going to be part of the Late Night Linux family. So it's going to be in the all episodes feed and on the YouTube channel and in the Patreon ad-free feed and everything. So if you're subscribed to one of those, then you'll just get it automatically. But it does have its own RSS feed if you want it. Late Night Linux Extra is going to continue. And that's just stuff that doesn't fit into this show. For example, recently, I talked to Alyssa Rosenzweig about porting Linux to the M1 Max. And that was great. Yeah, that was a really good interview. I really enjoyed that. Um, very interesting to listen to. Um, I've been super critical, pessimistic, whatever you want to call it, of the M1. And it was really interesting to hear her side of it and how, how it's been going and stuff. And uh, I'm yet to be fully swayed, but definitely a good interview. Yeah, I started out with an apology because I just had no hope at all that they would get anywhere. But they've got so far so quickly that I'm really impressed with it. I still think they're going to update it and brick it, but hey. No, that was addressed <laughs> in the chat that we had. I know, I know, yeah, but I didn't see it be from Apple in there. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But anyway, there'll be a link to that in the show notes anyway. The first episode is out. It will be every two weeks. The first one came out early. It'll be every two weeks on a Friday that it comes out. So uh, check it out, Linux After Dark. And something that I forgot to talk about last time when we talked about the death of the Ubuntu podcast is that they're having an after party, and this is going to be a live stream on YouTube. They don't have the URL for the actual stream yet, but we'll link to their YouTube channel, so just kind of subscribe to that. And it's going to be them streaming and just having a hangout with the chat, and it's just kind of a send-off for the Ubuntu podcast, and that's going to be on Friday night, the 1st of October, I think at 8 p.m. UK time. But uh, subscribe to the channel anyway. And I am planning to attend. All right, let's do the proper news then. The first one is that Ubuntu will be shipping Firefox as a snap by default going forward. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> this, I thought, would be more controversial than it has been. Obviously, there's been some people who have been quite vocal about it. But I think most people have just accepted that that is kind of the way things are going with Ubuntu now. And the people who hate snaps have just moved off Ubuntu anyway, so they don't really care either way. I think that's a fair point. I haven't really followed this story super carefully, but when it broke, I could imagine, uh, well, I thought I could imagine exactly how it was going to go down. And like you say, it doesn't seem to have gone quite as bad as I suspected it, it would have done. The technical reasons behind shipping the Snap and only the Snap are the same as we've heard about Chromium, that it is a lot easier to continue to maintain and package on a known 
stable base rather than the constantly shifting sands of five or six different releases that they've got to support. So it makes sense from an engineering investment perspective. And I suspect that most users probably won't even know the difference. And if the team at Ubuntu do their job properly, then you will get moved across from the Deb to the snap, and you won't even notice all of your, you know, bookmarks and uh, profile and all that information will just come across seamlessly, and you'll be running the snap, and you won't even realise. At least that's the the plan. Um, I, I think they can do it, unless you try to open or save to a Samba share. The thing is, this is coming from Mozilla, though. Unlike with Chromium, where that was the Ubuntu team didn't want the ball ache of having to build it for loads of different releases. This has been led by Mozilla presumably because they're keen for Ubuntu users to get updates in a timely fashion, whereas normally waiting a couple of days at least between Mozilla releasing Firefox and then it actually being updated in Ubuntu, whereas this is going to be much quicker and also automatic. I do think, regardless of how you feel about snaps, that this is a significant development for testing them on millions and millions of desktops. And I think Snap is going to have to succeed if Snap is going to succeed at all in addressing the Snap refreshing in the background and alerting the system. All of these things are being engineered, have been engineered and being finalized as we kind of speak. And it's going to have to work. And I think, you know, it's a good test for Snap. And I really hope that it goes smoothly. Well, I think that's the point that Jory made in his article on OMG was that it's one thing to have a music player or whatever, but this is a browser. Everybody uses the browser, don't they? And so it's, it is, as you say, Graham, a massive test for Snap, and it's going to force them to fix the issues with speed and some of the issues that sandboxing brings up. So it's got to be a good thing for Snaps and therefore for Ubuntu. Yeah. And because Snaps work on different systems, then this has to be good news ultimately. It also makes Ubuntu accountable for millions of users in a way that they may not be able to be for smaller projects. They have to make sure that Firefox always works. I wonder, will Firefox sort of almost mandate that the snap is now the way for all distros, much like the way Let's Encrypt has kind of switched over to SnapD as well, which I found odd only recently, where CertBot has kind of been deprecated i wonder if they're going to do the same thing there i mean i think the tarball probably always be there if you needed it but it'd be interesting to see mozilla have said that they will continue to publish the pre-compiled binaries the the traditional linux download that you get from their website so i think that will be around for people who want to use it and for any other distros who are not packaging their own version but I, yeah as as you guys say this this is make or break time for snaps Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux and see why Linode has been voted the top infrastructure as a service provider by both G2 and TrustRadius. From their award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers great price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including GPUs, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and their upcoming bare metal release. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account with your Google or GitHub account or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit. 
That's linode.com slash late night Linux. We also got the news that Ubuntu 14.04 and 16.04 are both being extended to 10 years of support from the original date, that is. So both of those are out of free support as it is now, and you need to get the extended security maintenance ESM package. But they've both been given an extra two years, essentially, to bring them up to 10 years total. So now all of the LTSs from 14.04 to 20.04 are scheduled for 10 years. That somewhat explains the snap of Firefox, I think, to some extent. Maybe not too much, but that's definitely not going to hurt supporting these uh, really old LTSs. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but really, it's about the server, isn't it? I mean, failing, you've got some ancient servers or you're looking after some, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of php5 still trucking <laughs> not my php5 i'd like to point out but yeah what's the oldest box you're looking after then 1404 right so this is gonna presumably affect you then yeah it's brilliant i'll have to do nothing i like it <laughs> that's the kind of work i could get behind <laughs> maybe we could push it out to 15 yeah well i'm sure there's a lot of enterprises would like that yeah, I mean, the problem is, especially when it's, you know, one of these big giant projects that there's lots of moving parts and potentially lots of different product owners where you have to try and, you know, even just getting a patch put out to something can take ages. So just these things, just you just need almost 10 years, as painful as it is. And, you know, we all slag off Red Hat for the very thing of, you know, 10-year support. Oh, look, it's still got a 2.6 kernel or something, but... These companies don't move that quick. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is really, though, taking the fight for that traditional enterprise computing to Red Hat and saying that Ubuntu is as supported and as viable as a business product as Red Hat has been for the last 20 years or whatever. So I think this is a bold move by Canonical. It can't be straightforward. It's going to be quite a lot of work, but I think it is what people want. It's been quite an exciting couple of weeks for Linux gaming, specifically with the anti-cheat stuff. So Epic's easy anti-cheat is going to be supported on Linux and Mac and also Proton. And also BattleEye is going to support the Steam Deck and therefore Linux via Proton. And we also had an FAQ about the Steam Deck saying that dual booting was going to be supported and also booting from the SD card. <laughs> Will I be able to install Windows 3.1 <laughs> via my USB floppy drive? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. It is brilliant. I mean, my order isn't until the second quarter of next year, but I guess if I start cycling to the EU depot now, I might be able to get there in time to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> but this is definitely good news. This is Valve working with these companies to make this happen because they had said that their goal would be to bring all of the Steam catalog to the Steam Deck. A goal and a promise are not the same thing, but they're definitely working towards it. There's definitely something going on because every time I start up Steam, and like maybe two to three times a week, literally every game is getting an update all the time. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're changing. Some are small, some are big, but there's a lot of churn going on. It's quite strange to see. So I think there must be something in the background going on for this work. I'm kind of hopeful that bringing easy anti-cheat to Linux and Windows 11 coming out at about the same sort of time, let's pretend, that this is going to be a really good driver for people moving away from Windows to Linux. 
if Easy Enter Cheat comes, then Fortnite can come. I, I'm sure I remember reading an article about one of the reasons that Fortnite wasn't coming to Linux was because of Easy Enter Cheat. Well, now that's been ruled out. So uh, you've got Proton, you've got Easy Enter Cheat. There's little stopping it now. And as sad as it may seem, these are the sorts of games that you need to get on Linux in order to attract the next generation of gamers who will be 100% used to running Windows, who will not be really interested in the underlying OS. But if Linux can deliver the games that they care about without all of the advertising and all the other crap that you get with Windows, then that's how we're going to attract new people to Linux. But just because it's available, are the game publishers going to actually implement it? Well, that's where Valve come in, right? That if they are putting out a platform which is popular enough and they've done all the legwork and so it is a you know very easy job to bring your games to this platform of enthusiastic open source fans who are willing to pay money to get your game, then the the barrier to entry for those developers is so much lower. And you know, if it is a point and click operation, why would you not do that? Yeah, Liam links to a few really good posts from various developers. Uh, my favorite being the X Plane one, where they're playing one of the lead developers playing flying a Cessna in X Plane over an area that they're now inside a Cessna flying over in real life. And it's quite cool. <laughs> On to a bit of admin then. And thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. It really is appreciated, especially now we've got the extra show in the family. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And that's even better value now. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets. Training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash latenightlinux and sign up for a seven-day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash latenightlinux it includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash latenightlinux. Gnome 41 has been released, and it looks pretty solid with nice features like the power settings and trackpad gestures. But this release comes amidst quite a row, basically, that's going on in the Gnome and downstream of Gnome communities that's been going on for weeks now that we haven't actually spoken about, but I think we do finally have to address this. There's a post from Josh Strobel on his personal blog. He is the lead dev of Solus, and he's talking about Budgie and why they're going to move away from GTK as a base for it. Is this whole GNOME theming drama something that you lot have been following then? I've been following this whole story for years um yes at least two years probably more like four years when ubuntu uh, like readopted gnome and we started trying to make changes to to keep the ux consistent between unity and gnome um and from that point onwards there was always resistance against 
doing it that way. Like the, the GNOME community always wanted GNOME to look like GNOME and Ubuntu to adopt the upstream look and feel and go with it. Uh, and Ubuntu were understandably wanted to do their own thing. Um, so this has been a story that's been dragging on for a long time. The same stories have been hanging around about how it's too difficult to support different themes and how it won't work properly. And I was very interested to read Josh's article because he is raising a lot of the same frustrations and friction that I personally felt years ago. And so I'm kind of airing my dirty laundry here, but I kind of feel uh, vindicated because it's not just an Ubuntu thing now. Other flavors are starting to feel the same way. You know, I, I feel that it is an important discussion. It needs to be had and it can't be just Ubuntu talking about this because it is just dressed up as sour grapes and uh, not really an important conversation. Having an independent person say the same things, I think, is interesting. Your hate has made you powerful, Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Pop OS people seem to be leading the fight or the row, let's say, here against GNOME. And it all comes down to theming. Uh, well, this particular row, anyway, is, is about theming and whether to use an API or lib adwaiter, I don't really care too much about the details. That is for far cleverer people than me to work out, people like Josh. But it seems that there is a problem here. There is, there is a real problem. And whether that is entitled downstream people thinking that they should have more power over what the GNOME developers decide to do, or whether it is GNOME ignoring the fact that they are an upstream to a lot of downstreams, there is clearly a problem here, and I don't know what the solution to it is. Let me get it straight, and it is literally colours and icons that we're talking about here. Well, and look and feel generally, and how applications fit in with the rest of the desktop. Is this not bonkers? We're talking about <laughs> colours here, and shapes, and they won't let anybody change that? It's, it's a lunacy. It's not that they won't let anyone change it, it's about how it's done. And it's a technical disagreement about that. We're looking at this article, the gap between 40 and 41 on GNOME. That list, that's about one week's worth of Nate's stuff. And he doesn't even cover everything that goes on in KDE. And that's all they have to show for it. And this naming of applications, music and boxes and now fucking connections. Like, just <laughs> stop. Put a K in front of it all. Well, at least you'd fucking be able to Google it, because at least you'd be able to find something. <laughs> else. I'm trying to connect with connections to connect to the box on the far end of the connection. Oh, no searches found, or 75 bajillion. Like, <laughs> fuck's sake. I was quite interested to look at the release notes blog post that they put out with this new multitasking uh, section in settings where the ability to disable the hot corner has appeared as a toggle button. And that's something that people have been asking to disable for, uh, well, years and years and years and was always hotly refused. And, and, you know, there were good reasons to keep that in there and it was the way that it worked. And now they finally relented and they added the ability to switch it off without having to install other pieces of software. So perhaps there is some flexibility in there after all. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that Josh's post is called Building an Alternative Ecosystem. And that's potentially what's going to happen here. Using the EFL, which is the Enlightenment Foundation Libraries, it's funny, we talked about Bodhi recently, and we got feedback about how those libraries have been used elsewhere by loads of other projects and products. And Josh's reasoning for moving over to that 
is pretty sound, I think. And it sounds like he wants to bring other developers with him and, like he says, build an alternative ecosystem away from GNOME and GTK. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe people just need to stop relying on GNOME and GTK as the upstream. I mean, I tweeted about this. I may have had a couple of ales at the time, but like I said, like if you've built your stack on what the GNOME devs are doing and now you don't like the fact that you don't have any control over that, then maybe you made a bad choice and maybe you need to own that mistake and make a different choice now. Whether that is moving to Qt and what the KDE Fox are doing or going the EFL route, look at the alternatives and have the guts to make that difficult decision, maybe. Unity's coming back. You heard it here. <laughs> I mean, I've not said much in this particular segment <laughs> because... Because you want to get a P45 in the post? No. <laughs> it's just I don't want to pile on the GNOME negativity. I want to try. And, I wanted to try and say something positive about, you know, that the approach that they've taken over the years. And I don't want to say that it's frustrating seeing it get to this point. But I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I haven't, I, I don't fit, it's difficult to contribute something to this discussion when I can't see a positive, unless GNOME was so widely used and so widely accepted that everybody was happy with it, that they were, you know, they were sticking up for their users. They do this, but without really the users. Well, I think the positive thing to say is, if you like GNOME and what they're doing, whether the, you are just an end user or whether you are a distro maintainer, then that's brilliant right? Because you can just use this great desktop that they make. But if you don't like what they're doing, but you depend on them, then the positive thing is that something else will come out of this, whether that is more people moving to Plasma and contributing to that, and the whole KDE and Qt ecosystem, or whether it is this EFL route. That is the positive thing here, that there will be a resolution. Like This tension that's been going on for seemingly years that you spoke about, Will, will finally be broken by the i think things are coming to a head is what i'm saying and that is all well okay maybe it's not always a good thing but it's often a good thing when you just throw the cards up in the air and see where they fall right rather than trying to work together and having this tension and argument just do something different I think it's important to remember that GNOME is more than just the UI, that, that underneath there there are things like uh, Network Manager and, and perhaps even Pulse and increasingly Pipewire that have all come into existence through the GNOME project and are a cornerstone of a Linux desktop machine. I think it's sad that the line of division is on the UI and that there doesn't seem to be any flexibility in what that UI looks like. So where does that leave us? I think that the, those underlying technologies are proven and are pretty solid now. Building on top of those, building a new desktop on top of those, using something like EFL, uh, I think sounds like a, a smart plan and I would like to, to follow along with interest. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them, and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop-down at checkout, and you can select late-night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. Let's do just a little bit of feedback. 
And this is a couple of corrections. The first one is from Moss. He says, Joe, you're wrong about 32-bit Bodhi. There is a brand new 32-bit Bodhi 6 based on Debian 11 Bullseye just out in the past month. Now, I looked this up, and as yet, there's just a beta of this. It's not a final release. So I wasn't completely wrong, but I was wrong to say that there would be no Bodhi 6 for 32-bit machines. But that said, I'm not 100% convinced that a Debian-based Bodhi is true Bodhi somehow, because, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great release, a great experience, but it's not quite the same as Ubuntu. Because being based on Ubuntu means that you've got all of the documentation and support and everything. And yeah, Debian's close, but it's not exactly the same. So I'm glad that it will live on as a Debian-based 32-bit image. And that's definitely better than it going away, but it's, I just somehow feel it's not quite the same. The other one was from Lewis. He said, you are wrong. One does not need snaps to use Skype. RPM and Deb packages are available directly from Microsoft. Now, that is true. I was wrong. I have to put my hands up to that. But if I was going to install Skype for someone else, someone not that technical, then I would definitely go for the snap over the RPM or Deb. Well, it would be Deb because they'd be on an Ubuntu-based machine. And the reason for that is the automatic updates. Because people just ignore the update dialog when it pops up. No matter how much you tell them not to, they'll just find a way to get rid of it. So yes, I was wrong to say that you need the snap, but it is definitely something that I would personally use. Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here then. The first one, uh, KDE window rules, or is it KDE window rules? The second one. (laughs) 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 But also the first. So if you don't know about them and you need them, they're great. If you don't need them, just forget about it. You don't even need to look at it. But... Trust me, I've got a Steam game, it's too old, and it doesn't load on the right one of my multi-monitors, and I had to force it to the right monitor and do stuff and magic. And to be able to do that is great, and you don't have to look at those horribly confusing config options all the time. You just go looking for them with the search in the control panel. But here's a nice video to show you what they can do. It's very cool. I use them as well. I use tiling window scripts and ah. only panels aren't tiled. Um, so if I want a normal application not tiled, I use the window scripting to tell them to just be a panel rather than a normal application window and it works. I think you should surface your crazy video of your crazy desktop <laughs> yeah. again, Graham. Yeah, didn't that have like 20,000 views or something? Yeah, maybe more now. Well, you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, there's a book about Krita. Yeah, it's just an independent artist. They're working on a book, not finished yet, but quite interesting. I know nothing about art applications, but there's a very fair price. Like you can kind of offer a fair price yourself. Might be worth a shot for people to try out. And there's going to be a free couple of demo versions or demo chapters from it. So people should give it a go. And it's nearly the 25th anniversary of the Plasma desktop then. Or is it? Is that true, Phelim? Or is it the, nearly the 25th anniversary of the cool with a K desktop environment? We don't like to speak about the cool desktop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is indeed. And 5.23 is nearly out. There's a beta open for public testing. And you can help out if you want to. Ironically, at the same time that the Ubuntu guys are having their uh, last meetup online. But maybe you can do both. It's from 12 uh, UK time to 12 at night or 1 o'clock Central European to 1 o'clock in the morning. 
So if you're able to get involved and there's a KDE on Docker image that you can try out. So you don't even have to mess up your own system or get an extra machine that you... Sorry, what's Docker? (laughs) I don't know. Some sort of nonsense, I think. That's a great idea. Yeah, they should definitely put that in data centers. Don't mess up your own machine, you said. (laughs) It's good for trivial things like this. All right, well, links to all that in the show notes as usual. So we'll be back next week then when I will have subjected all of them to XFCE and we'll find out how they all got on spoiler amazingly and they've all changed to it anyway until next week then i've been joe i've been salem i've been graham and i've been will see you later